0: M-S-W-Media.
1: They might be giants
2: have been on the road for too long. Too long. And they might be giants aren't even sorry. Not even sorry. And audiences like the shows too much. Too much. And now they might be giants are playing their breakthrough album Flood. All of it. And they still have time for other songs. They're fooling around. Who can stop? They might be giants and their liberal rock agenda. Who? No one. This ad was paid for with somebody else's money. The rule of law is not just some lawyer's turn of phrase. It is the very foundation of our democracy. The essence of the rule of law is that like cases are treated to answer
1: so yeah now it's clean up on aisle 45 time and for a long while yet it is going to be clean up on aisle 45
3: hey everybody welcome to episode 25 of clean up on aisle 45 it is wednesday july 7th i'm your co-host andrew torres and back from a well-deserved beach vacation is my esteemed co-host allison gill allison welcome back
0: Thank you. I missed everyone. It's great to be back. I came back for the cats and for for the shows. Really, honestly. Okay. That's why
3: I'm here. <laughs> I won't ask which order, but you know that's those are <laughs> those are two worthy things. That's fair. Uh,
0: well, the cats are within earshot, so. Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, we have a fantastic show for you today, but first, as always, we need to thank our patrons who support the show over at patreoncom slash aisle 45 pod for as little as a dollar an episode, you get the show ad free. We have a hangout coming up, and it's a great way to say you love the show, and you want this partnership to continue. So, you yes, thank you <laughs> this week to the new patrons: Don Nelson, Joshua Bodwin, Stephen James or Stephen James, James Fraser, and Ellie and Micah Infants at Law. You know,
3: if there's one thing the world needs right now, it is new law babies. So, you know, if you're a law baby, steal mommy's credit card and head on over to patreon.com slash aisle45pod. And uh, now I guess we can head to the A block.
0: Awesome. Well, this story broke last week. You knew we were going to talk about it. (laughs) The Manhattan District Attorney, Sy Vance, and his office uh, working hand in hand with New York Attorney General Letitia James and former U.S. Attorney Pomerantz and yeah. a really great uh, forensics accounting firm that, that uh, worked with the Mueller investigation, has indicted the Trump Organization and CFO Alan Weisselberg. Two Trump entities and CFO Alan Weisselberg. They perp walked him, which I actually put down mm-hmm. my pina colada and tacos to tweet out. It was glorious. Uh, but now, we have the thing you've been waiting for, Andrew, the actual text of the 15 count oh,
3: indictment. Oh, yeah, documents. <laughs> <laughs> I am so happy. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, like, let's start at the beginning. 15 count indictment. Uh, Count one is what gets the most detail because this is telling the story. Although, you know, as we get into it, you'll see that um, I think some of the other counts are are more serious. But uh, count one is uh, New York Penal Law 190.651B, a scheme to defraud in the first degree. This is a class E felony. So that is the uh, the most minor felony at New York law.
0: Okay, so they, they, is class A is the highest and class yeah. B is the lowest?
3: Okay. Yep, they do A1, A2, and they go down to E. Um, so, uh, to be guilty of a scheme to defraud in the first degree, a person is guilty when he engages in a scheme constituting a systematic ongoing course of conduct with intent to defraud more than one person or to obtain property from more than one person by false or fraudulent pretenses, representations or promises. And so obtains property with a value in excess of $1,000 from one or more such persons.
0: So, so who, who was the person or people defrauded here in count one?
3: Yeah. uh, And and this is going to be a theme throughout this indictment. The, 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 the people, in this case, the corporate people who were uh, defrauded here, are the IRS, the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance, and the New York City Department of Finance. So, so basically, it is your federal, state, and local taxes, and this is going to come through again and again.
0: Yeah, I noticed the word "federal" popped up quite a few times. And, uh, <laughs> that was this is just a this. I love this indictment. I think this is so well done. Uh, so uh, these are allegations set forth in paragraph four. That for sixteen years, mm-hmm. uh, from two thousand five to June thirtieth, twenty twenty one, as they were writing, as the ink was drying on this indictment, that's <laughs> when the when the it, it, it it's still going on.
3: You Uh, would think they would stop criming when, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they said, uh, hey, we're looking at you for all the crimes, but nope. (laughs) No. Not the Trump org, not Alan Weisselberg. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt.
0: No, it's okay. Uh, But the Trump Trump org meant to compensate Weisselberg and other Trump org executives, other Trump org executives, off the books with compensation that was indirect and disguised so as to understate their total income and pay less taxes. Now, Andrew... This seems to me like one of those things that we talked about with Manafort and why they were able to go back so many years without running afoul of statute of limitations is because it's all connected, right? The scheme was ongoing.
3: That is exactly right. And so you will see when we get into some of these specific charges for false statements that those will only look back a certain number of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, if your conspiracy is ongoing and we find out about it now, we can absolutely Uh, Go back and look at the beginning of the conspiracy. We can look at all of the events in furtherance thereof. And uh, and as as you point out, there's a 16 year history here. Um, And, you know, it's sort of notwithstanding uh, Donald Trump's uh, barely coherent rally over the weekend. I, I I hope you were either on a plane or on a beach or something, <laughs> and and so you missed this. But, you know, it was... it. it I, I mean, it literally was subliterate, but uh, it was... Uh, Donald Trump, as far as I could tell, he was saying, like, and who pays taxes on company cars? Who do, who does that? Well, the answer is people who don't commit crimes, mm. right? <laughs> Are the ones who mm-hmm. do. This is not just... Like a technical misclassification, like, oh, uh, you know, you should have filled out Form 9J X. And, you know, no, this is an allegation that uh, at the highest levels, the Trump organization intentionally created a scheme so that the beneficiaries to that scheme would receive, and this is a direct quote from paragraph five quote, substantial portions of their income effectively under the table. Right. We all know what that is. Right? And that's and that's what this uh, it, 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 taken largely. Right. Uh, that's what this indictment is about. It is saying, hey, the Trump Org decided to pay Alan Weisselberg. And as you pointed out, other Trump org executives not named in this indictment yet <laughs> uh, <laughs> under the table so as to minimize the tax burden on both of them.
0: Yeah, and these allegations are particularly targeted at at Weiselberg, who is mm-hmm. alleged to have received 1.76 million in indirect employee compensation in ways that were designed to allow both the Trump Organization and Weiselberg, not to have to pay taxes, report taxes on their respective filings, right? Because the Trump Organization doesn't have to pay payroll taxes on that under-the-table stuff, nor does Weiselberg. And then, of course, Weiselberg is alleged to have deliberately left it off his tax returns and hidden the information. From his personal tax preparer sounds like Manafort yeah all,
3: all of that and and then uh, you know I, I want to add the uh, the infomercial like but wait there's more right <laughs> uh what you have seen reported over the past week right if if you've gotten your news from reputable sources is just how thorough this count one is right and and what it reminds me of uh is when we, we talked about it on this show but we broke down the New York civil complaint against the National Rifle Association in detail on opening arguments. Right. And again, Tish James's office. Right. And and what struck us when we were taking a look at that NRA complaint was how thorough the allegations were. Right. You get very, very specific numbers. And that tells the defendant, oh, hey, look, like we're not just saying we think there might be X here. It's saying we have indisputable documentary proof of your wrongdoing. And I would point out um, we you know, we were one of the first places to say uh, this is not just a political hit on the NRA. Like this is super serious. And it drove the NRA to declare bankruptcy. So, you know, when you see this level of detail in the numbers uh, in an indictment. I, it, it, it should give you, you know, you could make it up. Uh, but but in general, the best bet is um, they have way more than they're letting on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of paragraph five, uh, talking about Weiselberg hiding the fact that he lived in New York is <laughs> said. To, yeah, because he, you know, doesn't live in New York. Sure. Uh, he hiding the fact he did. So he, he evaded approximately, what, $556,385 in taxes, $106,568 in state taxes. The, the half a million is federal, 100000 plus in state, and 238159 in city, New York City taxes. And he also took a bunch of inappropriate refunds. So you're saying Cy Vance didn't just make up that... Five hundred and fifty-six, three hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars. Three, five hundred fifty-six thousand, three hundred eighty-five. That would, that's, that's pretty specific.
3: Yeah, <laughs> six significant figures tells you that they have documents, right? Um, and and that should make you worry if you're Alan Weiselberg or Alan Weiselberg's attorney.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, all this is just count one, right? <laughs> but it keeps going. The Trump Org paid Weiselberg's rent, which he never disclosed. Yeah. They paid his utilities and garage payments. They That's pay-
3: a big deal in New York City. No. <laughs> yes, yes,
0: it is. They paid tuition for Weiselberg's grandkids, which we've talked yep. about. Uh, they paid for two cars. They paid for personal expenses like beds mm-hmm. and f- beds and flat screen TVs, carpeting, furniture. Who, by the way, who uses carpeting still? Whatever. Uh, there yeah, were
3: hardwood is the way to go.
0: <laughs> there were even multiple slush funds that Weiselberg used to get. Uh, end of the year bonus tax bonuses tax free and even just what seemed to basically be bags of cash <laughs> I, it, yeah, that that there are expenses that would just
3: be ticketed through as trump org expenses that as far as we can tell, were just checks that Weiselberg cashed, right? um it, it, yeah, it's it's extensive,
0: <laughs> yeah, and it goes on for thirteen pages. I mean
3: uh, it, it, it does and 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 let's be super clear about this. We keep saying they, but um, and this is really the brilliance of the indictment. Weiselberg was the CFO. He's the guy who signed all of these checks. He falsified all of these records. And so there are really only two possibilities from a legal standpoint, right? Either Weisselberg went rogue. He did all of this himself and he defrauded the Trump org and nobody ever approved of any of this, at which point uh, Weisselberg is going to be penniless. He's going to be required to reimburse the Trump organization. Right. And uh, he will spend some time in jail. Right. Um, or, or alternatively, he could say, yeah, I know that's my signature on there, but uh, I- I'm just the CFO. I report to a certain person uh, not named in this indictment uh, whose last name is on the front of the building, who told me all of this was okay.
0: Yeah, and you bring up a really important point, Andrew, that he, if, if if he takes the fall for this, like if when him and Trump met up at Trump Tower recently and decided that, you know, as the consigliere of this mafia enterprise, he was going to be the fall guy, he, he would have to pay. He would have to say, it was all me, I went rogue, I'm rogue, I'm a maverick. And he would have to pay back all of that, uh, all that money in, in restitution. And, you know, I think it's, you know, also worth noting that, I don't know, there just seems like this can't be the only crime. This is such a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it only goes back to 2005. He's been there since 1973. Come on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. Um the uh, first
3: 30 years, were figuring out what crimes were OK, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> it and, took a and while to
3: get acclimated. I <laughs> sort
0: of wonder why they started this this particular scheme in 2005. I mean, that'll be interesting to yep. learn. Uh, but that leads us to the, the part that's probably gotten the most speculation, which is count two, which is a fourth degree conspiracy charge between the named defendants here and unindicted co-conspirator one to do the scheme we just talked about. And I think because a lot of people remember Trump being not so subtly referred to as individual <laughs> one in the Michael Cohen indictment, people are thinking this is Trump. But th- that's that's not the case.
3: Yeah, it, it it's it's not clear from the face of the indictment that that it is Trump. Um, it, it, it's also not clear that it's not Trump. Right. I, I know I have seen you. You and I have probably seen the same reporting from the inside that says uh, ostensibly this is somebody else. But but let me explain the presence of unindicted co-conspirator number one in this indictment. Here's why it's in there. And this is something that I, I haven't seen anybody else explain. So, you know, good on you guys for listening to clean up on aisle 45. So here's the thing. If Weisselberg was acting on behalf of the Trump board, right? He's pled not guilty. Part of pleading not guilty is I did not do the crimes, right? That is, uh, I was authorized to do everything I did and everything I did on behalf of the company was legal, right? Then he was acting in an official capacity. He was the agent for the Trump organization, right? And if you're the agent for the Trump organization, you cannot have a conspiracy with yourself, right? So you can't <laughs> prove conspiracy charges between Weisselberg and Trump if and the Trump org if – Weiselberg was acting within the scope of directed authority. Okay, um, so this is part of the inference as to w- w- why it, it might be Trump on on sort of two levels here, right? The the first is for there to be a legal conspiracy at all, you have to have someone outside that decision making process to have conspired with, and the allegation against uh, unindicted co-conspirator number one, right, is that. Um, you know, this was somebody who who was part of the planning process. Well, I, it could be Trump. Right. It could be one of his dipshit kids acting in their personal capacities. I suppose it could be Matthew Calamari acting, you know, having gone <laughs> rogue. Right. And go to Calamari um, I, me. And then once you get beyond that. Right. You're talking about uh, maybe a whistleblower accountant over at Mazars. I'd, I don't know. But but there aren't too many people. It could be. And the only reason to bring these allegations is if you want to hold open the possibility that Weiselberg was authorized to do everything he did. And there are only a handful of people that could have authorized him to do that. So that's yeah. that's part of where the, the enlightened speculation comes from
0: yeah well, that and you know uh Weiselberg's lawyers were very careful in their re- you know <laughs> response statement to to not say anything that would take cooperation off the table or make cooperation difficult, uh which was a smart move, and he's got good lawyers Weisselberg's got good or has got good lawyers. this isn't like the Kraken or the elite strike force <laughs> um but uh, you know I've also heard reports that it's Makani, the controller. And that's my personal opinion. He's he we know he's cooperating or at least he's been given immunity because he's testified before the special grand jury. And in New York, you get that you get that immunity. You can't be a target. Um, and and so I think that that might be where they got this second set of books, because, if you know, if you see Andrew later on, they have a thing where somebody testified to the grand jury that Weisselberg directed them to take his name <laughs> approval off of a document and you know going back to the old federal thing and hoping the feds get involved here that seems like obstruction of justice um but you know anyway i mean that we you could speculate all day about this um so we'll see what happens but i i think this is uh, just the beginning um now the the allegation is the named defendants that's Trump organ Weisselberg and others, including unindicted co-conspirator one, agreed to and implemented a compensation scheme with the object of enabling Weiselberg to underreport his income and thereby evade taxes. So who else, like you said, is in in the position to agree to implement it? It's not McConnie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It 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 the, there are a couple things you said there that, that I think are, are really worth pausing over, right? The the first is OK, lawyers talk like this. And sometimes we will say the named defendants and others, including unindicted co-conspirator number one. And we only mean and unindicted co-conspirator. But but sometimes you leave that including because you, you mean there are people who are not at all named uh, in this indictment who who could be part of that conspiracy. Um, and, and as you point out, right, like, you know generally speaking, exceptions, you don't conspire with your accountant. Uh, You don't conspire. Well, I mean, you know, I I guess uh, in the uh, in the Jeffrey Skilling case, you know, Ken Lay Mm. uh, conspired with his auditors. But like it's. There's a small universe, and I think we should not pause lightly over uh, uh, over the possibility that that this refers to someone we care about going to jail
0: yeah or the other including part does and and, uh and you know they did allude to trump directly i mean indirectly i should say in in a couple other things when they talked about somebody signed the lease on those apartments and there's only one person that could sign the lease on those apartments and uh also uh, signing the checks for tuition i mean they sort of they edge up to it, but they don't. They don't go right into it. This,
3: this is, if you are a rational Donald Trump, and I realize that's an oxymoron, or a rational Donald Trump lawyer, and I realize that's an oxymoron. Uh, it, this would have that person, that hypothetical non-existent per- person, nervous, right? <laughs> if, if this was one of my clients, uh, I would be very, very scared as to you know if 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 uh, if this were referring. Uh, potentially to one of my clients, I'd be like, "Okay, uh, you're in trouble."
0: <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Just do cocaine about it. It'll be fine. Well, you know, uh, mm. I have some questions about the seriousness of these counts. A couple of these counts, uh, but we do have to take a quick break. So everybody, okay. stick around. We will be right back. Hey, everybody! It's Allison Gill for Clean Up on I-45. Have you ever had an acne breakout come at the worst possible moment? I have. I had uh, some uh, maskne happen before I had to appear on television. It was awful. Uh, But... I need to tell you that a lot of this home remedy skincare stuff is doesn't work or it's either actually bad for your skin. And that is why I have now tried and I love and I'm excited to partner with Apostrophe. They sponsor this episode. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. We love science. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist. We also love those who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your unique skin. You just fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals. In your medical history, snap a few selfies of your skin. And your dermatologist will create you a customized treatment plan right there on the spot. Apostrophe treats acne, and they can also help hit your other skincare goals like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. My personal skincare goals are dark spots, those fine lines around my eyes, and of course, acne. I was supposed to get sick clemency at my age, but I haven't received it yet. Submitting for my first visit was quick and easy. I did not have to schedule an appointment. Best of all, I didn't have to go to the pharmacy and wait in line to get my meds. They sent them directly to my house with a very cute postcard and little stickers to personalize my bottle. It was really awesome. And we have a special deal for you. You can save $15 off your first visit, making your first visit only $5 with a board-certified dermatologist. Where are you going to find a specialized board-certified dermatologist referral for $5? <laughs> anyway, you get to talk to this board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com cleanup, all one word cleanup, when you use our code, all one word cleanup. This code is only available to you. To get started, again, go to apostrophe.com cleanup and click begin visit, then use the code cleanup, all one word, at Sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash cleanup. And use the code cleanup, all one word, to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And we thank Apostrophe so much for sponsoring the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Clean Up on Aisle 45. Before the break, I was getting ready to ask you, Andrew, about mm-hmm. count two. Because this is the conspiracy count, right? You can't have a conspiracy with yourself. I mean. Yep you know, unless we're talking about other things, but we're not, we're talking about the law. And I I want to know how serious um, this count two is, because, you know, we, we hear a lot, and we've seen this a lot too over the last four years. My God, you know, it could spend, Manafort's got, could be 38 years, and he and he gets like seven, you know. So, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, or Papadopoulos gets 14 days, you know uh roger stone gets 40 months instead of the you know 80 to 100 or whatever that were recommended so i'm kind of wondering like you know you're very good with this table and the things and i know how it works for federal stuff but i'm I'm not too good on the state
3: yeah and new york is uh, very different than the federal system so uh let's let's kind of break down how that works um Count two, fourth degree conspiracy, is New York Penal Law 105.10, subsection one. That's another Class E felony, right? So the least serious. Um, it alleges that the conspirators agreed to cause the performance of a different felony. Put a pin in that, uh, which which in this case is grand larceny. And what's the larceny stealing ninety five thousand dollars from the IRS. Right. So you see how all of this is kind of interrelated. This is the conspiracy to steal the hundred grand from the IRS. Um, How how this all works out in terms of sentencing is in New York for nonviolent felonies. The court always has the option to impose no prison time. OK. Class e is the least <clears throat> serious. If there is prison time, what you get is um, you get you get what's called an indeterminate sentence. OK. Um, and that is, you know, you think about that like uh, when you watch Law and Order and they say, well, you're going to get five to 10 years upstate or you're going to get 25 years to life. Right. Um, that that actually is. It's not saying the judge will give you a number between that. That actually becomes your sentence in New York. And so what you have to do is if you get any prison time at all, you have to serve that minimum amount of prison time. Then you come up for parole. You have a parole hearing. And then uh, if they decide to parole you, you're paroled subject to those conditions. If not, you have regular hearings until you serve out the maximum sentence. Right. So these class E felonies are a year uh, minimum sentence to four years uh, if. Uh, As a maximum sentence, and they they are concurrent if they arise out of the same nucleus of of operative facts, right? So they're not going to stack. But I'm I'm kind of previewing a little bit Um, the the grand larceny count, right? Mm -hmm. That's the count three from that is that is the conspiracy to do the thing, right? That is a class C felony. That is the same classification as vehicular homicide when driving drunk. Right. So uh, super big, super important felony, maximum of 15 years uh, and a minimum to be set by the court between one and five years. Right. So, yeah. So they could go. Right. Even for if a class C is nonviolent, the court could say we convict you of you know, a dozen Class E felonies and a Class C, uh, and we're not going to give you jail time on any of them. Um, that would be rare in 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 mm. you know in a case like this. Yeah, but, but also um, be
0: concurrent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and, you know, just to interject something here, this this whole downplaying of the seriousness of this or it's only one hundred thousand dollars. It's only not, you know, reporting a Mercedes. It's only not reporting this income. It's only walking away with bags of cash. Uh, I I think it shows incredible just dickishness to be glib about. Oh, so we stole ninety five thousand dollars. You know, that's. A significant amount of money to a lot of Americans, I, I, and I think I, that their 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 inability to recognize that is just it's not going to go over well, particularly with a jury from New York. <laughs> yeah, I, it,
3: I I mean, a I thought Republicans were the party of law and order, right? It, 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 I don't know where that came from. Uh, the the whole like. Pfft, yeah, this is all I mean, we're ranking the severity of the felonies, right? Like we are already into serious crime territory yeah. with mandatory minimums. Yeah. They're and, only
0: the party of law and order when it's black people committing the crimes. Uh, That's the right. only time they're the party. That's what they it, mean. It,
3: <laughs> that, that, that is what they mean. But 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 I, I do think there was a little bit of uh, and, and again, you saw Trump sort of struggling with this. Uh, you know, as he's struggling with, you know, basic monosyllabic words. But uh, uh, over the weekend, because usually, right, the sound bite that they can come up with is something that um, is. At least accessible for the average Trump supporter and the like, come on, who among us pays taxes on the company cars that are given to us is a little bit at odds with, you know, your average mega hat or for wearing. the working yeah. class.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this uh, this grand larceny charge that you're talking about, count three, yeah. is this I imagine this is just against Weisselberg. Yes. Because, uh-huh. yeah, I made the reference to Al Capone over the weekend. I was like, huh. Tax evasion, uh, <laughs> retired to Florida, died of syphilis. Hmm, <laughs> it's a lot in common here. Yep. I, I sense a pattern. Yeah. Uh, but the real meat is coming from actual tax fraud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did look. That that's right. Uh, the
3: so so basically, what what you're trying to do here, um, if if you view this indictment. Uh, the way you and I predicted and the way Morgan and I predicted in your absence uh, uh, last week as squeeze Allen Weisselberg. Th- this is done really, really, really yes. well. Right. Yes, because. Right. The conspiracy charge because right, it because it hits both ends. Right. The conspiracy charges allow you to gather evidence over a two decade period uh, but um, the downside of that is that those are classy felonies; those are the minor felonies. You're talking about a year in jail. And again, Weiselberg is in his 70s, so a year in jail is uh, seems pretty significant. Um, the, the The specific tax misstatements and the tax fraud carry harsher penalties, longer mandatory minimums, uh, but. You can only look back so many years, right? And so here they were like, okay, great, we're gonna we're gonna gather together ironclad proof and really, you know, th- sh- throw the kitchen sink at this guy, uh, and uh, and and that's what we have here.
0: Yeah. So the that's a fourth, fifth, and sixth counts for criminal mm-hmm. tax fraud third degree, class D. Is that right? Class yes, D. Family? Yes. Yes. Uh, so if it's the highest count against Weiselberg with no criminal history, he'll argue for no jail time.
3: Yeah, he will. But again, the more that you pile up, right, uh, they're all nonviolent. The judge will always have the discretion to say no jail time. But eventually at some point, you know, you look at it and go, all right, this guy, you know, like Paul Manafort, right? This this person has defrauded the government out of significant sums of money. And they probably have some, you know, not just restitution to make, but 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 social restitution. They should spend some time behind bars.
0: Yeah, totally. And and it looks like New York defines tax fraud really pretty broadly um, as including providing material, false, materially false information on a tax return or making a materially false statement during an audit. Uh, I imagine the real hitch here is that you have to prove that the defendant's actions were intentional. And that's what's been going on around Twitter. I've been seeing it Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. When when there's you know, when you have to prove intentional, uh willful knowing knowingness with the intent to defraud. Not all crimes, of course, but these tax crimes have that. And so these yep. three counts are for Weisselberg and the Trump orgs 2014, 2015, and 2016 tax returns. So they they're both.
3: Yes. And so those are uh, it just because of the way the felonies are divided under New York State law, uh, those amounts were between ten and fifty thousand dollars for each of those tax years. Uh, and then, uh, for some reason, they decided that they were only going to, uh, you know, commit uh, uh, crime on a slightly lower scale in twenty seventeen. Um, so that twenty seventeen tax return. Uh, is for tax fraud in the fourth degree. That that that's another E felony uh, because it's between three and ten mm, thousand right? right. dollars. But but again, right? This is just each and every time. I mean, I really love the way the way you, you you broke that down. Each and every time you intentionally make a false statement on a tax return or to an auditor, right? That's a separate. Instance of tax fraud under the New York law. And so uh, if they uncover more of these, they can issue a superseding indictment, as, as we've talked about. Um, but uh, but we have right right now uh, a- at least four years of tax returns uh, in which the evidence it was at least sufficient for a grand jury to hand down an indictment that said, um, yeah, we think a prosecutor can using the ordinary tools available to prosecutors. Right. Which is, you know, you just look around and go, OK, you know, you put X number here. How did you derive X number? Oh, from Y source. Well, Y source doesn't say that. Well, OK, <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
3: I'm, maybe I forgot. OK, Mr. Weisselberg, how <laughs> long have you been an accountant? Right. One hundred and five yeah. years. Great. You know, I. How often do you forget things? Right. Um, and 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 that, you know, I mean, we could, you know, we're we're more than halfway through the show. So I, I, I would love to go through each and every one of these counts. I will tell you, uh, we went through counts one through seven counts eight to eleven are just against Weisselberg. They're all first degree filing a false instrument. Right. So, again, another way to get in the idea of. Uh, from from the same nucleus of, of operative facts, um, and that looks like each of those four tax returns from 2014 to 2017. That's four more E felonies, and then 12, 13, 14, 15 are first degree falsifying business records, and again, both against the Trump org and against Weiselberg, four more E felonies.
0: Yeah, and that's what I wanted to talk about, what Ooh. I ex- alluded to earlier, count 15, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it lays out that specific fact that, that definitely puts the screws to Alan Weisselberg, uh, and it's in September 2016, while the former guy was about to be elected president of the United States, elected is in quotes,
4: Weiselberg
0: <laughs> allegedly instructed a subordinate to remove the notation per Alan Weisselberg from one of the entries in Trump's detailed general ledger regarding those school tuition payments. Yeah. we don't know what remove means here uh, but count 15 says that he altered erased obliterated deleted removed and destroyed uh, a true entry into the business records now that could be deleting a computer notation uh, and we have we would have backup or it could be physic- physically whiting something out or erasing a handwritten trump note with his stupid sharpie if we have a prior copy but you know i brought up that sounds like it could be federal obstruction of justice But then then you start running into the that sort of sovereignty thing where you got to it's got to be one or the other. You know, now now taxes, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that doesn't apply to taxes in New York. You can you can be in trouble for defrauding New York State, New York City and the federal tax IRS. Uh, but you know, for this kind of stuff, it's like, did, are the Feds going to get involved in the IRS stuff? But stay away from this other stuff because they can't. You know, I don't know. It's it should be interesting to see if the Feds get involved at all. But it's the fact that they had a subordinate remove his name, I just keep thinking. I just keep thinking of Martha Stewart.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that well, I you know that's a great that's a great reference uh, in that you know I mean Martha Stewart is one of. Only a handful of people ever to go to prison for uh, uh, for insider trading. And, uh, you know, and it had to do with 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 record keeping. I I can see. Right. How does per Allen Weisselberg get written on Trump's detailed general ledger? Right. And and you can come up with an awful lot of other things. But to me, I see it, as you point out, in that big, stupid Sharpie, like, Trump writing it in there and then handing it back to his CFO and going, see? You know, I did this for you. Uh and then all of a sudden in twenty sixteen, why so brightens like, well, maybe I should cover my tracks here. Uh maybe we should, you know, erase that. Um it, it we are entirely speculating. Um but This is the good kind of speculating that we want to be in. Right. Mm -hmm. The only way for Weisselberg to defend himself is to say he was authorized by Trump to make those changes. That means flipping on Donald Trump. Right. Or again, he can admit to the crime. But, you know, if it were me, I'd rather not do that.
0: (laughs) Well, his defense will be I didn't tell anyone to do that. They did it of their own volition. I mean, you know, he's 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 getting the tongue bath treatment from Trump Mm -hmm. so far. So I think Trump expects him to stay Roger Stoney, but you know, we'll see.
3: We, we will, but, uh, it is early and I know, you know, this has sort of gone through the like pre-hype, post-hype, mid-hype, like this, you, 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 you should, this is very, very serious for the reasons we've described.
0: Yeah. And Tish James has the power to dissolve this corporation. She can do that. Um, and, and I mean, I got to tell you, Andrew, uh, the two sets of books. I mean, what a motherlode fucking gold mine. <laughs> to, to can you imagine finding a, se- <laughs> a second set of books that shows all your that's where they got these exact numbers. It it
3: is so two things immediately come to mind, right? Number one, it it now makes legal sense of the battle over Trump's tax returns, right? Because one of the things you and I have been saying since the very beginning, like I had an accountant come on my show and basically say like, look, um the the Trump org is set up as an LLC pass through entity, like you just aren't going to get, right? the, the there isn't going to be a line item on his W2 that says, you know, big bag of money from the Russians, right? Like <laughs> and, and 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 you know, and it, the idea was we're going to get the tax returns, but like tamp down your expectations. Well, well, now we know at least one of the purposes to which they have been put. Right. And that is cross checking and validating numbers. The second thing I love, like the I, I just keep thinking of, you know, the uh, the underboss from Kansas City and Casino. Who uh, you know kept this, the 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 set the second set of books in order to uh, yeah. to have his expenses paid for? And they're like, uh, thank you
0: very much for these.
3: <laughs> so uh, yeah, we can now replace in terms of financial documents. I have been waiting to see uh, the uncooked books from Trump Org have displaced Trump's taxes at, uh, at the apex of that pyramid.
0: Yeah. Well, there's, I think personally, a lot more to come. Mm, uh, and if you if you listen to my, I had a really long conversation with uh, Andrew Weissman, uh, and we talked about the parallels. Somebody who Manaf- knows
3: his stuff, yeah. Manafort
0: and <laughs> Gates, uh, and the parallels with Weiselberg and Trump. And uh, we talked about a lot of, uh, you know, can there's tweets be used against him? Uh, and I, you know, you can check all that out on, I, I believe it's a Monday's episode of of the Daily Beans. And so check it out and um, we we talk uh, pretty extensively and he's you know what he's a funny guy he's really funny you're gonna enjoy that he's a good good guy Uh, everybody we have more cleanup stuff more good news coming up but we do have to take a quick break so we'll be right back hey everybody it's AG and this portion of the show is sponsored by Monk Pack I am a snacker, but it is hard to find snacks that fit in with my keto lifestyle. And since I like to snack all day, trying to find healthy snacks is difficult. I mean, they have a really bad reputation. They usually don't taste very good. They don't hit the spot. They don't satisfy your cravings. But that is why I absolutely love Monk Pack. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. And they taste amazing. They are great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for just anyone who's trying to eat healthier or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have the perfect balance of sweet and salty, that sweet and savory deliciousness. They have a good crunch, that crunch that you crave because of the whole nuts and seeds, but they manage to be soft and chewy and they come in delicious flavors like caramel sea salt and peanut butter dark chocolate. My favorite is caramel sea salt. It's so delicious and they're perfect for a quick snack or to indulge your sweet tooth without any guilt. And since they're packed with protein, They're actually filling and satisfying. In addition to being keto friendly, they are gluten free, plant based, non-GMO. They have no soy, no trans fats, no sugar alcohols and no artificial colors. I am crazy about the Monk Pack keto Nut and Seed Bars, so to make sure I'm always fully stocked, I signed up for a subscription to my favorite flavors, which also saves me 10% on every order and ships to me automatically. So getting these delicious treats delivered to me on a regular basis and being, being fully stocked has been a total game changer in my effort to eat healthier, so try it for yourself. We have a special deal for listeners. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting MonkPack.com and entering our code CLEANUP at checkout, and Monk Pack is so confident in their product. It has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so if you don't like it for any reason, they'll will either exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer, so there's no risk here. So to get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product, enter the code CLEANUP, all one word, at checkout, and you'll save 20% off your purchase. Monkpack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Clean Up on L45. We have cleanup stuff going on. Last week, the Biden administration <laughs> issued rules to shield Americans from large, unexpected medical bills after patients wind up in emergency rooms or receive other care they didn't realize wasn't covered by their insurance. I'm sure this happens to everybody. You know I've seen it,
3: it, it to to. Yeah, to real people. I, and interesting how. Nothing happened on that front for four years, uh, during which a certain former person was in office. But yes, these are the first in a series of coordinated steps that four different federal agencies are required to take to set in motion uh, rulemaking pursuant to a law that Congress adopted last year to protect healthcare consumers against a practice known as surprise billing. Okay, so the rules are set to begin on January 2022. And they spell out that if a health care plan provides for emergency services, they have to be covered without pre-approval from the carrier.
0: Yeah. And, and you're right. This, we didn't see it for four years. Mysteriously missing. This is so long overdue. Uh, and, and these rules also state that no matter whether the emergency room or, or its doctors are part of the network, the patients can't be charged more than if the services were in-network. In other mm-hmm. words, patients can't be billed for the difference between what the hospital charges and what an insurance company pays for out-of-network care. That's huge. That is massive. Yeah, it, it, it really is.
3: Um, and and t- t- to take it a step further... Those rules also ban higher charges for when ancillary care is out of network. Like, you know how if you have surgery and your surgeon is in network, but the anesthesiologist <laughs> or the assistant surgeon is out of network and then the insurance company charges you extra for the assistance that are, they can't do that anymore. either.
0: Yeah, I can't believe they were able to do that in the first fucking place. <laughs> like you telling me that surgeon here at is, but the guy standing next to him, you know, with the laughing gas is not... Wrong. That's just ridiculous. Well, now they can't charge you, overcharge you for that. Um, and, and all this comes, like you said, from the No Surprises Act as part of the COVID relief that the former guy actually signed into law around Christmas last year. And uh, Health yeah. Human Services Secretary said, Congress actually got something good done, calling the provisions as meaningful as anything we've done on health care since the Affordable Care Act.
3: Yeah, I'm, I am proud of both of our respective coverage of that December bill at a time when some of the folks on our side were saying, you know, are we sure that this is a an, and the and the answer was, yeah, Democrats wrote a lot of the provisions that were in that December bill uh, and it was worth getting as much relief as we could. And then, you know, did we get more when uh, Biden took off? Absolutely. But, you know, you get what you get. So um, here's the way it breaks down. Um, health and Human Services is the main department that wrote the surprise billing rules, uh, but they need to coordinate those with the Departments of Labor and Treasury, uh, as well as the Office of Personnel Management, uh, because the protections are going to apply mm-hmm. to federal employees' health benefits as well.
0: Ah, that's so great. <laughs> um, but there's a little question. This is, the, this is the legal details that I know you love about how to solve disputes. Uh, the yeah. law, called, like if you're, going, no, you know what, that anesthesiologist is definitely, mm, and I, you need to pay, and mm. uh, it, that the law calls for outside arbiters to resolve disputes over how much insurers must pay hospitals. The arbitration method was favored by the hospital industry as a, and opposed by the insurance industry. Now, arbitration won out uh, over another approach that would have resolved billing disputes through benchmarks consisting of the typical price give a given insurer pays for a medical service that's probably what let me guess the insurance companies wanted that uh and you know based on geographic medical services in a geographic area the law however does not specify who the arbitrator should be so we got the arbitration but we don't know who the arbitrators are now that that decision has been delegated to health and human services to come up with that before the ban takes effect in january
3: yeah. And, and and I I love the, the way that you have unpacked that. Um, obviously, right, the hospitals want this to be arbitration because in arbitration, both parties pay not only their legal fees, but they split the cost for the arbitrator or arbitrators to read all the briefs and issue all the rulings. It adds on a layer of transaction costs. And Insurance companies do not want to incur extra transaction costs, right? So this encourages insurance companies to be reasonable, right? So so as to not uh, push the hospitals to the point where they're like, "All right, uh, we're just going to have to take this to arbitration." And again, hospitals are not uh, especially litigious, right? Like these these are entities that are pretty risk averse. So if you've pushed a hospital to the point where they have to uh, file for arbitration, y- y- you're probably in the wrong. Um, so, uh, so that's really the significance on the choice of relief. And then you are a hundred percent correct. Um, you know, who, who the arbitrators become, um, is, a, is a real issue. Um, for example, right? Like, you know, we have, um, arbitration agencies that are, you know, really the, the gold standard, right? Like the American arbitration association, uh, 100 percent independent, you you know, mostly uh, retired judges. Um, And if I had to take a guess, um, that's what I think will will, will be put in an outside arbitration capable of providing experts that can handle these disputes. But that will be covered in other rules uh, issued by the uh, departments before January. So. We're going to have to put a pin in the story and uh, and and come back to it. But but again, right. The question is, how good a news is this? And I (laughs) love I love being able to finally bring those out. So uh, on to the next story. Last Friday, the Biden administration announced its plan to bring hundreds, possibly thousands of deported veterans and their immediate family members back to the United States, saying that their removal, quote, failed to live up. To our highest values, and I thought perhaps you might have some thoughts about
0: that. Yeah, I think it fails to live up to our lowest values, actually. <laughs> but uh, but Knight and I know what they're getting at. You know, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas has ordered his immigration agencies to immediately take steps immediately to ensure that military families can return to the United States, uh, and that's that. You know, of course, I have I have massive feelings about this. You know,
3: yeah, yeah. and 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 it's it's not just a July Fourth stunt, right? He. Also halted all pending deportation proceedings against veterans and their immediate family members and to clear the way for them to apply for citizenship. So, I, you know, I I, I think this uh, I, I hope we are moving towards a position where. Uh, You know, veterans are not a lockstep political football for the party that treats them so badly. Yes, and it will all go
0: away if you don't vote in 2022.
3: (laughs) Uh, We have put that on the on the outro bumper. Anyway, officials said that they would also work with the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Defense Department to ensure that those veterans can access their health benefits, including... COVID vaccinations that recruits can take the oath of citizenship, including while at basic training, uh, and that DHS will establish a military a military resource center online uh, with a toll free number. Well, that's quaint, uh, and an email address to help families with their uh, with their immigration applications.
0: Yeah, that's such good news, and I love that. And I'm glad they're working with the VA to ensure that they can get uh, immediate access to their health benefits. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, also, that's very cool. Recruits at boot camp can take their citizenship oath. Not after. Right. Before. (laughs) Before you start. Uh, Anyway, such good news. Now, I have a personal cleanup note. Ooh, yeah. Thanks to a policy change by the Biden administration. I received a notice today that my student loans have been entirely discharged.
3: Okay, uh, you've got to share that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I will. So I got I got this note. Now, I just recently uh, veterans are disabled when they become disabled because of something that happened to them in the service. They're called service connected mm-hmm. disabilities. Uh, and so you know my my PTSD, my anxiety, all that comes from, uh, what I experienced when I was in the military uh, and a lot of people know about that story but basically I w- I went recently went to 100% permanent and totally permanent and total disability mm-hmm. from Department of Veterans Affairs and I was automatically sent a letter saying y- you are 100%. Now before uh, if you were 100% disabled you could apply for to have your student loans discharged forgiven completely forgiven. Okay. But but you had to show that you were destitute that you couldn't make any money mm. uh and that you were fully living off government assistance uh but by Bi- uh biden waived that rule oh. wow and so S- i received a note that said your your student loans have been discharged unless they said unless you would like to continue paying your student loans uh you have to let us know by august 21st <laughs> <laughs> if you uh, want
3: the privilege of continue to pay
0: yeah otherwise uh if you do nothing the default here, uh, another Biden rule, is that they will be forgiven. So
3: well that that is that is fantastic. I mean, it, it is. It, I, I'm glad. I mean, I, I think it needs to be expanded beyond the yes. Allison rule here. Yes. Uh, but and I, but, I
0: actually just wrote. I just wrote a whole op ed that I'm I'm shopping okay. out that because you know because I have the the benefit of free health care and free education, and not just veterans should get this. It shouldn't just uh, be for veterans. Uh, same with the student here, loan here. forgiveness. Uh, and and in, you know, Elizabeth Warren, she's so fucking great. She snuck in a provision. <sighs> she didn't sneak in. Uh, everybody read it. But she put a provision in, in the American Rescue Plan, the, the first COVID bill that yep. uh, Biden passed, to say that uh, uh, $50,000 of student loan forgiveness for anyone in the United States would be tax-free. Because, you know, if you get a loan forgiven, you end up right. having to pay taxes on it. Uh, and so that's in there as PrEP. For for erasing those student loans and and Biden's been taking chunks out here and there, 100% disabled veterans, you get your loans. People at ITT, you get your loans. Uh, you know the people Betsy DeVos fucked over, you get your loans forgiven. I'm waiting uh, for him. I think I have a very positive feeling. He's he has the ability to waive fifty thousand dollars for everyone without it going through Congress. At least that's my understanding uh it's a it's a and the, the setup for it being tax-free is already in the american rescue plan i think he's just going to wait for a politically advantageous moment uh like i don't know right before 2022 um maybe right before 2024 i wish he didn't wait but right now all student loans are deferred anyway because of covid but i i i have a feeling he's going to do this the signs are there he's chipping away at everyone else on the ancillary on the sidelines like sort of on the fringe i think and, and if they've got that provision i think it's going to happen
3: Well, I, I, let's hope so. I, I, I want to share that optimism. I, I am pleased that we have an administration that acknowledges it's a problem rather than is staffed by people who profit off the fact that it's a problem. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, it's turning away from making it worse and turning towards making it better. We'll, uh, we'll have to see, but, uh, but that's our show for today. So, uh, I want to thank everybody for listening, and I want to give a special shout out again to our patrons. You make this possible. You make the show go. Until next week, I'm Andrew Torres.
0: And I'm Allison Gill, and this is Clean Up on Aisle 45.
4: And And this this is
2: is how we win. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP,